Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. You find us in the second part of a long conversation on the topic and word of evangelism. So if you don't know what that is, you're like new to the faith or not a Christian yet, all that word means it's like the Christian word for sharing your faith with someone or leading someone to Jesus. And we started this conversation last week kind of digging into a bit of a heart check, which we're going to get into in a second as we review. But today, we want to look at the practical aspects, like how. Do I share my faith with someone because I'm scared? If you're scared, say you're scared. I'm scared, right? So I want to know how the tools to share my faith with someone. But before we get into that today, I think we should take up some prayer. How do you feel about that? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, again, thank you, I think. I, I always come to this moment and I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude that, that you meet your people. Like you come together in the presence of your people. And so I'm so grateful for that. So Father, I I pray now that this continue, that you continue to work on our hearts as we dig into this word. Father, there there are some difficult things that people are going to hear this morning. I pray that you soften their hearts and make it ready to receive the words from you. Most of all, Lord God, I pray that we leave this space better practicers of the way of Jesus. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all the people of God said... Amen. While we go through review, uh, you can scan a QR code they're going to put on the screen. We've got some sermon notes for you that you can take a look at and kind of follow along what we're going to look at today. Uh, but yeah, take a look at that. So, And if they don't get it up there, just simply go to uh, renovationchurch.com slash sermon notes. We've got some stuff for you. So uh, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I want to take a minute and review what we talked about last week. Okay, We started with a statement that we believe is true. That you and I, if you're a Christian, want to be a people that lead people to Jesus, right? We want to lead people to Jesus. It, it is ingrained in us. If the Spirit of God isn't living inside of us, we have this with us. And we looked at even some data that said like 73% of people have a desire to share their faith with someone, right? And who wouldn't? If you experience the kindness and love and goodness of Jesus, you want to give that out to everybody you know, don't you? But there's a problem we live in, we exist in, right? We live in a culture, live in a context that would kind of prefer we not be Christian, or if, maybe this way, if we are, we keep it to ourselves. That's what it wants, really. It's a, so you can be it, just don't talk about it. And so what that does is that that makes us feel a little bit intimidated, doesn't it? Right? We feel a little bit on edge because we don't want to offend anyone, necessarily step on anybody's toes, that kind of thing. And so what that does is that it brings fear into our lives. Like we, we come to the moment of sharing our faith and all of a sudden this anxiety and fear shows up. And we look at the top three by research, top three barriers to sharing our faith with some of our Christians. And the first one was fear of rejection. 
We kind of addressed that one last week by doing a little bit of a heart check. And we said we asked three questions of us, of ourselves, to check where our heart was at when it comes to sharing our faith. And the first one was this. We said it was, do we believe Jesus can save anyone? Right? Do we actually believe that Jesus goes out of his way, has the power, capability, kindness, and love to save anyone we meet? The second thing is, we asked of ourselves, is do we really love people? Right? Do we actually have a deep love of people that we see in the scriptures? And the third one was, are our eyes open to where God is at work all around us? Right? These are the three questions we ask. If you want to learn more about it, just go to YouTube. It's there. You can look and dig into it. Today, as we said up front, though, we want to actually get into the practical aspects of the how we share our faith, because that actually gets into the second fear we talked about last week, which was not knowing how to share our faith. Right? So here's what I, where I want to go with this. And I want to be honest and just accept where we're at. Sharing our faith does not come naturally for most people, does it? Like, we're really nervous in those moments. We feel anxiety, like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the wrong thing. Am I going to talk like Jesus isn't even real and I didn't mean to? Like, all these different things come up, right? And I, I get that it's not natural for us. And despite what you might think about the guy on the stage, it wasn't, I wasn't always good at it, man. Like, now, a, mo a moment of transparency and vulnerability, which is going to, you know, be a little bit shameful for me. Uh, I, was, I had this great opportunity to, to work at Apple for like five years. And I got to share my faith every day for five years, almost every day. And for the first couple of years, I was bad, like real bad at it. Like I, I, I look back honestly on those moments with, with, with the level of shame because, like, I just, in so many ways, I caused more problems than I helped anything. I, re I really, really did. I would get, like, trapped in arguments that made no sense. Like, I, and, and what would happen was that I, I would feel like I have to do certain things or say certain things, and all I ended up really doing was reinforcing the bad Christian stereotypes the people in front of me already had. And, and I, I genuinely look back on some of that with a, with, with a bit of shame. But what I discovered in the middle of that, in that process, in that trial by Apple, if you will, um, was that there are some key things in the Bible that have always been there, I was just kind of blind to, but also I learned directly from my friends who did not follow Jesus on how to engage them in a way that was not off-putting, that was not offensive, but was in fact life-giving for everyone involved. And so what I want to do, and again, I found these things throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. And so what I want to do this morning is that I want to just read one of the examples of the scripture, about nine verses, of someone sharing their faith with someone, and then kind of pull these three things, these three essential elements out of it. How's that sound? So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I'll give you a second to get there if you got it. Verse 26. I see you moving about, I see you turning there, I see you grabbing your phones awkwardly, like, does he know I'm grabbing? Yes, I know you're grabbing your phone. So if you got it, say you got it. All right, that's enough of it. Here we go. Uh, Acts, 8, verse <laughs> Acts 8, verse 26. Here we go. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. 
And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of the great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then turned to Philip and asked, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Now that, that filled my soul just reading it. I hope it did yours as well. Now, I love this particular script this particular scripture, not only because I like Deacon Philip is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Like I identify strongly with him. Like you see, I see myself in him a little bit, but also because we're basically looking at a masterclass of what it looks like to share your faith, be it cross culturally, be it with with people you don't know. It's basically a masterclass. And Philip was really good at this because in church history, they named him the evangelist. Like, if you ever get nicknamed the something, whatever is on the back end of that the, you're really good at, right? Or else people you know are really mean and sarcastic, one or the other, right? But they called him Deacon the Evangelist because of his constant posture for sharing his faith with people. And in this, like we said, there are essentially three elements that work no matter who you're talking to, no matter if they're cross-culturally, elements that we can take away from it to share our faith. And the first one is this. Number one, in sharing your faith with someone, you must first listen to the Spirit. Listen to the spirit. And I'm writing that as like the Southern listen. Like my mom says, listen to me, where it's like not optional. Like it's, it's like a parenthetical obey, right? <laughs> listen to the spirit. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but like the whole front side of this engagement, this narrative we just read is basically Philip just doing exactly what the spirit tells him to do. Like it's, it, he basically has like no function other than obedience. Like look at the whole scene. An angel shows up and says, go south. All right, that, that's, you're, you're here and you're saying go south. I, I guess I better go south. And then the spirit goes, stand there. Okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty straightforward. Stand there. I like that. I'm into it. Like his whole thing is basically just doing exactly what the spirit says. Now, I think this is significant for us because while most of us in here would probably say we've never been face-to-face with an angel, maybe you have, and praise God. But most of us, I would say, have never been face-to-face with an angel. All of us, though, have heard from the Spirit, right? Be it a strong unction in our souls, be it a timely word from a, a trusted Christian member or a Christian family member. Or, or, like, or like that feeling that you should do something, like a strong feeling you should do something that's out of your normal character but you know would benefit the kingdom of God. Like that thing, it's the Spirit talking to you. We all have heard from the Spirit as Christians. The, the thing is, though, 
we often ignore him or like rationalize it away like, ah, I just had bad pizza. (laughs) That's my stomach being upset. That's what that is. No, that's called the anxiety of listening to the spirit. That's what that is, right? We've all heard from the spirit. So while Philip's story begins in this beautifully miraculous way, it unfolds in the exact same method that you and I live in. And and so like it, and there's important to notice partly because of what we said last week. So part of what we said last week is that when it comes to sharing our faith, we are never first. God is at work in people's lives when we're not around. He was already working in the eunuch's life. He was already prepping him for everything Philip was going to say. All Philip had to do was obey and listen to the Spirit. And this is why it's so important that we start with listening to the Spirit because he will guide us to the people who are ready to hear his good news because he's already working on them. There's a Canadian pastor has a great quote that I love. His name's Henry Blackaby. It goes this way. He says, find out where God is at work and join him. That's fundamentally what it means to begin to share our faith. We're looking for the signs of where God is at work in people's lives or listening intently to the spirit of God as to where we should go because he's actively wooing people to himself already. You're just coming up on the back end. Our first step in sharing our faith with someone is to listen to the spirit. Parenthetically, obey the spirit, right? Southern listen, that's what that is. So, that's number one. Number two, hear their heart. And by their, I mean the person you're talking to. Hear their heart. One of the things I find hilarious in this text is that while we begin with an incredibly miraculous situation, angels, audible words from the Lord, It all stops right up until the point when he gets to the carriage. Like, think think about that. You feel like the angel's leading me. I'm into this. Oh, I heard a voice from heaven. Yes. And you get there and the spirit stops talking. For those of you who are new to the faith, this is exactly how the Holy Spirit works. (laughs) It's uncomfortable. Like, it, it is very much how our heavenly father works, that he carries us almost the entire way, but then right before we cross the finish line, he sits us on our feet and says, take a step. Trust me and take a step. Because there's this added benefit to sharing your faith with someone is that it grows your faith too. It grows your faith too. It's not just about more people coming into the kingdom of God. It's also about the people of God practicing and getting better at practicing the way of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit's not going to do everything for you because he wants you to trust him and take a step of faith with him. But what Philip does when the Holy Spirit stops talking is really, really informative for us. Because if you look there in that verse... He just keeps listening. Like he didn't, think, think about this. 
He had an angelic visitation. One would think he would feel like, I'm stopping this carriage. An angel told me to go here. But he doesn't. He didn't jump in front and say, halt. He just gets to where God tells him to go. And he just keeps listening. But instead, he's listening now to the person that God has called him to minister to. Think about the power of that. He's taking the time to hear what's actually going on with the person God has called him to minister to. He's actually taking a moment to get at the heart of the matter. He's taking an interest in the person God has called him to. Like, and, and we know this because of, because of the scripture that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading. There's a great commentator uh, John Polhill, who wrote a commentary on Acts, and go read it if you want to. But he makes note of something that is just really profound. And he says this. He said, probably not by accident. The eunuch was reading from the skull of the prophet Isaiah as his carriage lumbered slowly forward. In all the Old Testament, Isaiah holds forth the greatest hope for the eunuch in the picture of God's ideal future. A future that promises them a monument in God's house, a name better than sons and daughters, an everlasting name that will not be cut off according to Isaiah 56. Little did the eunuch know that he was about to experience the fulfillment of those promises. Philip took a moment not to hear what the man was saying, but to hear what his heart was saying. He took an interest and what was actually going on with him? Like, I actually think this is probably one of our greatest, let's call it stumbling blocks, when it comes to sharing our faith. Like, and I, and I get it, like, we get, we get nervous when it happens, right? There's the spiritual warfare going along, along with just the normal anxiety of talking to somebody you don't know, right? I, I get that. But he takes the time actually just hear the deep longing that is inside this man's soul. He takes a moment to go, okay, I'm here now. What has God been working on in you? And look, I, I get it, right? I, I get it. We, we have all these preconceived things we think we're supposed to say. We, we got trapped in a, in a YouTube rabbit hole about the resurrection of Jesus, and we're like, now's the time. No. What is the deep longing that is going on in the soul of the person that you're talking to? Because like, and look, I got trapped in this too, particularly in that five-year stint. I, I like, I, anytime I heard that, like I, someone didn't agree with the truth about Jesus, I felt it was my uh, responsibility to defend Jesus. Like the king of the universe needs my defense. He, like he's up there going, you know, if he don't get this right, the whole kingdom gonna fall. He don't need my help. Look, and, and here's something that I, I think we just need to just be honest about. For most people, not everyone, but I would say most people. The reason that Jesus has been rejected is not out there 
in some rational sense. It's in here. It's emotional. It's not that they haven't figured out all of the ways that Jesus works in the world. It's that there's a hole in their soul that hasn't been filled. And again, it's not that the the rationality doesn't matter. Of course it does. But for most people, whether they accept or reject Jesus is more of an emotional decision than it is rational. They're looking for someone who can actually fill the hole in their soul. And like, so, so when you get there and you don't feel like you know what to address yet, don't really feel like you know what to say, just keep listening. That's it. Just keep asking questions. Like, and, and think about this. In a world that is so self-focused, so into promoting themselves, when a person actually takes a genuine interest in the person in front of them, that's one of the most countercultural things you can do. Like, do you know how few people have had an opportunity to share their own story? That no one's actually taken the time to say, hey, I'd love to hear how you came to be the amazing person that you are. In a world that is so self-focused, so self-promotional, taking a genuine interest in the person in front of you is genuinely one of the most countercultural things you can do. And so we take the time. We listen. We hear the heart of the matter of the person that's in front of us. And just watch God work and reveal it. Because here's the thing, step one. If we're listening to the Spirit, right? God's already been at work. It'll come out. It'll happen. That's not on you. Just listen. Like, I don't want to give you a phrase. I've done this to almost every single one of you I've met before and we've ever had a conversation. Here's a phrase. Tell me more about that. That's it. It's, it's, not, it's not out there, this outlet. Tell me more about that. You're struggling with such. Tell me more about that. It's taking a genuine interest in the person in front of you to hear their heart. That's number two. Number three, share the good news that you know. That you know. Share the good news that you know. So let's go back to the scripture, right, of what uh, Philip did in verse 36. So beginning with this same scripture, so the scripture, the wrestling that the man was already doing, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He walked him from his pain to Jesus, right? Now, was Philip gifted at this? We just said, the man got a the title. He's good, right? But the principle is the same for all of us who are less skilled at this. What do you know about the good news of Jesus. And I want to make this really practical and really tangible. What has Jesus done for you? What has the good news done in your life? You don't have to have all of this other information. All you need to know is, has God given me good news? That's the good news you need to know. Has, what has he done for you? And like, look, there's a gift here 
that I don't think we've all recognized yet of living in a pluralistic society, okay? So what we mean by that pluralistic society is that truth is less important right now because you've got your truth, I've got my truth. And so truth has taken a, uh, taken a back seat to life experience. Okay, cool. I, I, like, cause, like, here's the thing, I've heard, I've heard people get out of whack over and over again. Like, oh, it's just, you can't talk about Jesus because I can't talk about truth anymore. Yeah, you can. Because when truth has taken a back seat to experience, have you experienced him? Have you? Thank you, Mom. I appreciate that. Have you? But I don't know X. Nobody cares. I'm joking. People care. Uh, it's truth still matters. Yes. But in everyday conversation with people, that's not the question on their heart. The question on their heart is, does this work? The question on their heart is, is this going to make my life better? Do you know how much I fight with my spouse? Is this going to make my life better? I'm struggling with addiction. Can this help? People are less concerned with whether this is true or not, with does it actually work? My life is filled with pain and anxiety. Does it work? Guess what? That's all the good news that you need to know about. That's the good news you do know. I, I, like, I want to give you an example. Here we go. You go to work. And inevitably, when you get to work, people complain about work because that's what we do at work, right? Like, so your coworkers are talking to you, they feel stuck in their job. They, they don't feel like there's purpose there. They, they don't feel like they're really gonna get anywhere. They feel like they should be paid more. Uh, they, they don't, you don't like your boss, you just because nobody likes their boss, right? It just, it's just bad, and they start telling you these things. Now, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower of the way of Jesus, you experience all those things. You have wrestled with the lack of meaning in your job. You probably don't like your boss either. But the difference is, Jesus has given you a divine purpose and meaning to your job. You go to work not simply to make a paycheck, but to bring the kingdom of God to this world. Your boss, nobody likes him, but you can meet him with compassion because Jesus met you with compassion. You were able to forgive him from his slights because Jesus forgave you for what you did. And so now you walk into your job with a sense of peace that your coworkers are astounded by. A sense of joy and meaning in your job that they are utterly shocked by. It's because of Jesus. Would you like to meet him? You don't have to be miserable at your job. I'm living proof. Would you like to talk about Jesus? Let me give you another one. And one more. And I want to do this one specifically because of the impact that I've seen it have personally in my life. Like I, I normally like to do very inclusive examples. But this one, it just because of the meaning of it, I, I just really want to talk to married folk in the room for a second. Um, your marriage... 
might be the greatest testimony you have to the goodness of Jesus. Like, I want to be clear. In that five-year stint I have with Apple, and then since then, okay, that was the thing that was the greatest inroad to talking about Jesus I've ever had and to this day ever have. And it's probably because we live in a culture that is trying to maximize sexual pleasure every chance they get. Trying to maximize the good times all the time. And so you go, I'd rather restrain myself for the good of someone else so that I and everyone around me can be whole and I like it better. So here's how this goes. Inevitably, someone comes to you and you're having a conversation, be it a coworker, be it somebody you know from college, be it people on your kid's baseball team, be it your baseball team, whatever it is. And inevitably, they start telling you the difficulty they're having in their relationship. I don't trust them. You know, I woke up this morning and nothing was ready. You know, I was out the other day and it disrespected me. I just, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, just, I, I just want peace and there's always noise. Name the thing. And they find out you have been in a long-standing relationship and not only in a marriage, you like being there. Like, that was the thing. I really like her. I'm into my, we've been married 17 years. I'm into being married to her. I like it. Thank you. That's shocking to people. You're like, you mean, sorry. So like, do y'all ever fight all the time? Do like, are there things she does that annoy you? Oh, sweet Jesus. It doesn't matter. I committed my life to her. And I decided that I would make the best of it. And here's how we pull it off. Here's how we pull it off. It ain't me. It ain't her. We ain't that good. Yes. We ain't that compatible. Let me be very clear. <laughs> but Jesus is at the center of my marriage. Yeah. Come on. Come on. He's at the center. So here's what it causes me to do. It causes me to forgive when I don't want to. It causes me to seek her interest above my own, even when it pains me. It causes me to seek reconciliation day after day after day. And you know what? It's caused me to love her more because Jesus loves me more. Would you like to meet him? He's good for all relationships. He can heal yours too. This is what it means to share your good news. Your good news. You don't have to come up with all of the apologetic things that are beautiful and wonderful that people study. All you need to know is that Jesus works. That he can help people's lives become whole again. And if you don't believe me, I have Bible for you. Revelation 12, 11. It says, Then they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Let me be specific here. That him there is the Satan. The being that is trying to convince everyone you know that a life following Jesus is not for them. 
that it's not good, it's not life-giving, it's not whole, it is not what they want. They are too far gone, all the things. And we beat him by the resurrection of Jesus and the word of your testimony. That's how we win. And this is what it means to share your faith. And this to be very honest, is why when you do it this way, it's not offensive, no matter how brittle people are. It doesn't step on anyone's toes, because here's why. You start by caring about them. What is, what is going on in their soul? And then all you're doing is inviting them to wholeness now. Who could be mad about that? They may reject it. That's totally fine. That's not the point. You've basically said, look, I know, I know this pain you're struggling with. I know what it's like. And I know where the answer is. Would you like to meet him? No one ever gets mad about that because it's out of genuine love and care for their soul. You're not beating anyone over the head with anything. You're inviting them to wholeness and love and kindness and goodness. Nobody's upset about that. And it allows you, and this is the beautiful part that I found, it allows you to continue the relationship so that you can continue to share the good news over and over and over and over again because the spirit is always at work. So, here are the three, three, three essential steps. One, listen to the Spirit. He's already working when you ain't. Two, hear their heart. And then three, share the good news you know. What is the good news you know? So here's what I'm gonna invite you into. No, nay, challenge. <laughs> Invites too soft challenge. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I want you to share your good news with someone this week. This week. Not three weeks. This week. Share your good news with someone. That's it. Now, you will most likely have to take the time to hear their heart. That's awesome. But share your good news with someone. The, sorry, the good news you know with someone. And look, specifically last week, if you were here and you were part of the people who were praying for someone every single day, twice a day for seven days, I set you up. <laughs> Share your good news with that person. Share the good news you know with the person you've been praying for. But look, if, if the context is off, right, and that feels like, I just don't know if I have the context for this. I, I get it. I, I don't know your circumstance. I don't get anything like that. That's fine. Here's what I want you to do. Invite someone to come worship with you or to be a part of a small group with you. Those are low-hanging fruits, man. Low-hanging fruits. This is a really easy environment to be in most of the time when you come with someone you know. Being a part of uh, people hanging out outside, rock climbing if you're me, right, or photography if you're my wife's group, right? That's super low-hanging fruit, man. And I guarantee you that context will then give you the opportunity to actually share the good news you know. This, this is what I want for us, man. Like, I, so bad. 
Because there's something that I've noticed that happens. Like if you read through Acts chapter 8, this is a really good uh, example of it. But wherever people are sharing the good news of Jesus, joy follows. Like if you go read just a few verses before this, Philip shows up to a city, starts sharing the good news of Jesus, and it says the whole city was filled with joy. The whole city. If you read the rest of this, uh, of this particular narrative, the, the, the Ethiopian youth gets baptized, and it says he went away rejoicing. Everywhere the people of God begin to share the good news that they know, joy follows. So here's what I want for us. I want our lives to be saturated in joy. I want the relationships you have to be overflowing with joy. I want your workplace to be overflowing with joy. I want this town, this city that I love so much to be overflowing with joy. All we have to do is continue to bring the good news that we know everywhere we are. And joy will follow. Because of course it will. Because of course it will. Who's not going to be joyful when they've experienced the kindness, the love, the goodness, the greatness of King Jesus? What people can't be happy about that? This is my prayer for us. That we would be a house that is overflowing with the joy of Jesus through sharing his good news. Let's pray together.